Closet Internet, and welcome to Two Guys in SharePoint. Is, is it really just two guys in SharePoint? I mean, we have other people. Should we not be like uh, like a binary where we say, uh, welcome to two binaries in SharePoint? Welcome to two binaries and discussion of some technology stuff that's mostly in the Microsoft space. Is that the new name? Is that the new thing for the show? It's not quite as catchy. All right, so let me drum roll, please. The only SharePoint show in, is it South Africa or is it Southern, Southern Africa? South Africa. Our country's name is South Africa, yes. All right, the only SharePoint show in South Africa where everything is not made up and there are no points. Good day, Mr. Pugin. Hello, Mr. Modlin. It's great to be here with you on this dark outside, so I can't say sunny, a sunny day, because for the most part, we only record after 10 p.m. at night. Yeah, it's a little later than usual this, this evening. You're very good to accommodate me. I do appreciate it. That intro, by the way, has got to be your most convoluted stop-starty intro you've done in the last 69 episodes. It, it works, though. It works. It does work. Very I mean, nice. it, it's got you got you excited about the show, and I'm excited about this guest. Now, I will admit, and this is a public announcement, I've tried three times before, and we've recorded this guest three times before, and every single time, there's been some form of malfunction. It was when we were going through our growing pains with using products like Zencaster, and then I, I think we tried Skype, it didn't work. Then I did an in-person interview with my Zoom and my memory card tanked. So this is fourth time lucky. I checked the audio. The audio works. And I'd like to welcome on this week's episode, or no, this fortnightly episode of Two Guys in SharePoint, the Honorable Diossi Hess. Cool. Let's swap over to that now. Welcome. Welcome to the show. I'm going to let you pronounce your name because I'll probably, um, and this is the fourth time we're recording this over the last year. So please announce who you are. Well, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. It's DRC, right? Yes. Yeah. So you I got, got it. it. I got it. Fourth right. time's a charm. Fourth time's a charm. So for our listeners out there, I've probably done two or three recordings with DRC. Mm -hmm. And every time we end the recording and I send the the audio stuff to, to my co-host who does all the editing, it never works. And we've tried Zoom. We've tried... That other podcast thing, I forget the name, Podcaster or something. And I can't remember what was the third one, but we're using we're Teams. We were in person at MVP Summit. <laughs> it still didn't work. <laughs> That's all right. Oh, that was an, it was, I actually lost some data off my, my, my Zoom as well. That um, was a faulty memory card, but this one works. This one works. So welcome to the show. A little bit about <laughs> It's hilarious. A little bit about yourself. I'm, I'm sure I could like sort of lip sync what you're going to say now over the next 15 minutes. So who are you? What do you do? Uh, what star sign are you? And where do you want to be in five years? Let's, let's go with that. <laughs> Sounds okay. Well, we'll start with the easy one. I'm a Capricorn, yeah. which means I'm just about as stubborn as they come these days. So are you in uh, December or Jan though? December. Before or after Christmas? Right before. I'm on the 22nd. Oh, wow. All right. 
But yeah. at least people still have money to buy gifts, though. Um, I'm the 21st yeah, but, of Jan. But you get the, this for birthday and Christmas, except <laughs> the fact that my family's Jewish, so it's kind of like Hanukkah's already passed by that point. <laughs> so well, then you do actually get a proper sort of uh, birthday present and not worry about Christmas, so you find uh, Sometimes. As you All get right, older, so, you have less space for things, you know, it becomes less important. <laughs> uh, no, 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 you, no. Rule of thumb, very important. I sort of drilled it into my kids. When I wake up, I want a, I want a cake when I wake up. I want to blow out candles and I want a present. End of story. You do that in the morning. You come stand over me with whatever. That's how my kids have been taught. And that's how I live my life. Even I, when I, I will tell my cat that he needs to do that. <laughs> All right. So, so why are you on the show? What is it that you do uh, with Microsoft Tech? So uh, I'm an Office Apps and Services MVP. And um, what that really means is that I work a little bit on everything. So I primarily focus on SharePoint and building out the custom intranets and data architectures. And then I also do a lot with Teams um, and some Power BI moving forward as well. So a little bit is just helping people really kind of bring what they're thinking in their heads to life inside of their intranets. Um, everything from design all the way through the development story. But you used to focus on the user experience and the user interface design. I know you, do. you've done quite quite a lot of sessions on on, on custom front ends um, when, when we were still on-prem. Um, mm -hmm. I remember, and this is a good couple of years ago, a couple of sessions that you've always done on, on UI and custom master pages and CSS. <laughs> so I'm actually still focusing a lot on the UI UX role. That really is where my heart is at. Although since we're not building the custom master pages and the full full-blown websites on SharePoint anymore, what I focus on is helping people make sure that when they put content on the page, it's in a structure that their users can understand, and also being able to teach UI UX design to those who are building and designing web parts that are going to interact with SharePoint um, to make sure that they're not building experiences that are jarring and actually fit in back into the interfaces and, and how to think about those from a user perspective as well. So just a slightly different focus in it. So the big question really is, uh, you've obviously moved from the old sort of WSP type dev stuff to the new tool chain, the new SharePoint framework world. How are you seeing that sort of move from SharePoint into Teams? Because it's the same tool chain, it's just you've got to sort of redo the XML or something on the back end to deploy a custom web part for SharePoint now into, into the Teams world. Are you seeing a lot of that happen? I am. Um, actually, a lot of the customizations that on projects that I've personally been on lately has been more of Slack to Teams migrations. And with Slack, a lot of companies spent a lot of money building custom connectors and custom integrations with Slack that they now have to figure out a way to get to move to Teams. And with the not exact parity between the two, a lot of it is trying to re-figure out how to do things with Teams with a lot of those customizations and integrations, such as with Jira or Bitbucket or XMatters, um, some of those other third-party applications and kind of being able to bring them into Teams, um, since they don't all have just generic connectors and there's a lot of like business workflow processes that have been built. Um, as far as SharePoint teams, though, I mean, the life life is a little bit easier, but it also depends on what use case people are using Teams. Is that their primary world that they live in during the day, or is it being used specifically for a separate purpose, such as 
a good example would be a first line worker who is using it and there's a case, a, a discussion needs to happen around something that was just that, you know, either a document or something. Are they using teams just for that discussion piece to then work back into other content or other business processes or is teams actually really the interface that they're living in? So it depends on the circumstances. Yeah. Typical consulting answer. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned Bitbucket, Jira. Uh, what you didn't mention is Confluence, um, part of the Atlassian stack that that mm -hmm. Slack has um, been driving quite hard over the over the last year since since Teams has become like the, the everything source, you know, for for Microsoft and for collaboration. And is it a struggle to port things across from from Slack? I mean, I've never had anyone. You're the first it person is. I've spoken to that's actually worked on a Slack to Teams migration. Wow, it's, that is it's power right there. It's actually a horrible, horrible process. <laughs> um, and the primary reason why is that in Teams, every user creates their content in their messaging. And you can't have a bot or to have a migration tool go and move those messages over. So the only thing that you can do, and this also applies within a Teams to Teams migration. So if you had a company merged together and they had content in one tenant of Teams and need to move it to another, this is going to be the same issue. And it's kind of one of the sore parts at the moment that I hope gets fixed, um, is that the only thing you can do is really export it to an HTML document and store that HTML document into the new files document library for that team. Or you create a bot or a migration tool that actually goes and will create the message basically as an administrator bot saying, hey, this person said this on this date. But at that point, you lose all the original metadata associated with the original message. So it's not a great experience yet. <laughs> um, there's a lot of a lot of room for improvement and a lot of room for feedback to Microsoft on that side. I am, for one, super excited about what you just said now. Uh, I see three sessions that you can present on. Um, just talking about Slack to Teams migration. I mean, it's. I think Avpoint's the only one that's got a Slack to Teams migration tool. It forms they part do of the same thing. Up. All they do is move it to HTML, and the HTML goes into the uh, the files folder. That's all you can do. That's what their tool does as well. Okay. Well, the, I don't. Well, that just that doesn't excite me anymore. Uh, the fact that, well, uh, their part, not the stuff that you can do that. Because I mean, that's just wow. That, that's real world. Information you're, you're just, you're limit, it's a limitation of the technology right now, but okay. as companies continue to grow, the world changes, companies merge and, and divulge from each other all the time, this will become a more frequent use case that I feel will, will continue to move up the ladder as Teams continues to mature. So it's still early on. They can't you know boil the ocean at one time. I think it's something that's on the list and they'll, they'll eventually get to it. But that's that's a superpower. I see that as a superpower that you're really starting to work with these sort of things, um, and I'm excited because I'd love to know more about the Slack to Teams migration, um, a Teams to Teams migration. I mean, that's also quite powerful. We see a lot of organisations. Uh, we've the company I work for has just gone through a, through a merger. Luckily, they on on the company we merged with is not on Office 365, they on on Google and the G Suite stuff, so it's not that much of a headache. But I can imagine organizations, uh, I'm actually busy with a project right now where 
that's two Office 365 tenants that needs to merge. And they're not using Teams, but I mean, wow. So you, the impact of merging tenants just on the team side, you're saying is, is quite, um, quite a task. You potentially lose a lot of original metadata um, wow. that was associated with the conversations. You still have the conversations, but they're no longer going to be inside of the Teams interface. So, you know, oh, wow. if you want any of the legacy information or, or anything like that, you now have to have it in that document and hope that search will be able to bring it back if you ever need to search for it. So, okay, well, well, you've you've educated me so much today just in this conversation now, and you've scared me at the same time um, because I haven't done a Teams to Teams migration and I haven't done a Slack to Teams migration. Sounds like and, an opportunity to work together, Alistair. <laughs> Well, I definitely know when I do this who the person is I will be phoning. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're doing a lot of stuff in Teams. Does that mean that that your your interest in SharePoint is waning, or is it just the way of the world where, the, where SharePoint becomes a, a content delivery network for something like Teams? My first love is always going to be SharePoint, and I, I do a lot of work in SharePoint, but I have the ability to help people in multiple areas, and since a lot of the technologies in M365 are, are kind of verging on each other, like Teams integrates with SharePoint on the back end, you do have to understand SharePoint yeah. to really be able to understand Teams effectively, yeah. um, and some of the other applications as well. So. I think I would be doing a disservice to my clients if I only knew SharePoint yeah. and didn't also bridge out to understand Teams as well. No, it makes complete sense. I mean, when we speak to customers, I always uh, rip open the recently updated Matt Wade's periodic table of Office 365 because he's literally mm -hmm. updated it. I opened it for a customer last week and there's new bits and I'm like, oh, it's so cool. But that's the, the conversational piece we, we, we have with customers because even if they're SharePoint customers and they've used SharePoint extensively, moving to the cloud, it's not just SharePoint, it's SharePoint and everything else that's there. There's Power Apps, there's Flow, there's Planner, there's To Do, and everything that's in that periodic table. And yes, we would be doing the organization a disservice if we don't introduce them to that. Are, are you seeing your traditional SharePoint customers sort of gravitate to the new world that is Office 365? So, yes, I actually haven't had a strictly on-premises client in probably three years now. Wow. All of my clients are already in the cloud. And I've been very fortunate that one of my primary clients um, is a large pharmaceutical company that's a, a first adopter of, like, everything okay. new that seems to come out. So it's great being able to, like, get your hands in early on something and figure out the best use case for, like, 60,000 people. <laughs> um, so that one's a very fun one, to, a very great project to be on. And then my other clients, it, it really depends. Like, if they're a small company, I'm not going to provide the same solution and the same yeah. recommendations as I would for an enterprise level. Um, not even the same architectures in some cases. So it... Yeah, it's the good thing about M365 is it's a little bit everything for everybody. It just depends on really what your budget is, what you can maintain, if you need customization or can live it out of the box, and what you need it to integrate with. Past yeah. that, the world's really your oyster these days. Are you finding that consultants, and it's a difficult question really, because someone that starts in the Microsoft world today, and I mean, we've seen it. 15 years ago, same conversations, just the text changed. I mean, you've been through 
from Tahoe to today, I suppose, is, is the right term, mm -hmm. right? Um, you've been working with the tech, and, and for you, everything that you just said now makes sense to me. And But to speak to someone that's just getting into the tech now, it must be quite an odious task for them to understand the logical grouping of all the technologies. Whereas with us, we've worked in the SharePoint space. So when we talk about metadata surfacing inside of some a product like Teams, it's easy. Are you finding that customers and consultants are struggling with the new world to grasp um, all of it? I know that I spend way more hours per week just trying to keep up with the new world <laughs> um, than I care to admit. Yeah. But I feel like it's, it's not that it's gotten more difficult. It's just we're studying different things. Like if, if you go back when I first started SharePoint, I was a high school teacher and I went from not yeah. living in a tech world at all to now almost becoming a developer overnight with my share, first SharePoint job. And back then it was SharePoint 2007 and 2010 that were the two primary ones everyone worked with. And as someone who was starting out, back then we all used to specialize in specific areas of SharePoint. We were either branding or administration or developers or you know end users. Like those paths were very clear cut and you understood exactly where someone specialized in that application. Yeah. Now, instead of specializing in the application, we're just branching out to understand the other areas of the world in it. Um, and I don't think anybody who says they know it all is either an MCM yeah. who actually literally has proven they know it all <laughs> or, or, you know, is lying to you. Yeah. Um, there's so much coming out, but the great thing is, is that we have a wonderful community that yeah. is willing to help people kind of get there and ask those questions. So I don't need to know it all. I need to have friends that know yeah. other yeah. things that I don't. <laughs> like migrating from Teams to Teams or Slack to Teams, I now have someone that I can lean on and, and get involved. So in closing, advice to SharePoint designers, people that have worked with the user experience, the user interface design, how do they move to the new way of doing things? So my biggest thing is, is that don't try to boil the ocean. Um, you don't need to customize the entire interface. I've seen some some p things come out where they've completely gone and rewritten a new interface. That's the wrong approach. It's really thinking about where customizations make the most impact. So things like navigation, footers, the custom web parts, the custom app pages. Those are the places that you really need to focus on and make sure that any new experiences and business processes that are getting built in those, whether it be for Teams or SharePoint, actually are, you know, provide usability, fit into the platform, and are able to also be scalable for the world. So it's a little bit, instead of focusing on creating websites, it's a little bit more focused on actual usability and creating experiences for users instead. And if people want to get hold of you on the interwebs and the Twitterotis, how do they find you? Um, they can find me on Twitter um, at Darcy Hess. Um, okay. I'll say Darcy just because people can spell that. <laughs> um, and um, they can also find me on LinkedIn um, as well. And if they need to, they can email me at dhess at dhconsulting.me. Great. At least I know that our audience won't spam you um, because we don't have that sort of um, following. But thank you for your time. Um, for the three hours, the combined three hours that we spent recording an episode with you on it. And finally, finally, well, Teams Better, actually, let me 
hit the stop button, stop recording button, and um, it better compile well. So well, I, at least it's not a billable hour, so you're okay there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for your time, and we'll chat to you soon. Ciao, ciao. You got it. Thanks, Alistair. Thank you so much for coming on. See, I was just going to leave it and cut in there and let you do the intro. I'll do it. But you're the guy that always says uh, we're switching over to that segment. It's the only time you get to switch over to a segment. Because I switch over to our normal other segments, like in the news. Fantastic. Um, and you've done all the homework this time for us, Al. I, I did work. I did work a little bit. I contributed. I add value. You add all of the value. What do we have in the news this week? No, 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 no. The news is shared by both of us. I'm not going to regurgitate the news. You said you could talk to this, so talk to the first one. Can you talk to the first I one? Can, I can talk to a bunch of these things. In fact, I, right. I, I have talked to some of these previous in previous episodes that we've had. So first up, we've got on the list uh, the OneDrive Personal Vault. So if you are running OneDrive, they now have a, they're calling it a personal vault. It's basically a, an encrypted folder where you can, and I'm assuming Microsoft don't keep the keys either, so you can have an encrypted space in your OneDrive where you can put documents in. This does have a couple of things. Anything you put in there won't benefit from all of the really cool stuff OneDrive does, right? It's not going to give you the previews. It's not going to do any of that sort of stuff. It can't do any processing on those because they're encrypted. So that's just something to be aware of. But it's a really sweet feature. Very nice. Personally, I would like to be able to just sort of turn that on for folders that I already have or even individual files, but you, you get a separate space now that you can move your stuff into. So that's very cool. You know that I stepped away from my desk to go fetch another vape, and you carried on talking. I think that's magic. It's as if I never left. Yeah, I mean, that's most of the show, isn't it? <laughs> Anyhow, moving on swiftly, I'd like real tag team the ones, right? Sure. All right. I have been doing a lot of migrations over the last six months. And I'm actually busy with the migration right now from SharePoint 2013 to SharePoint 2019, strangely enough. About four months ago, I did a migration for SharePoint 2010 to 2019, right? And I think the guys I was chatting to, they were using um, API Elements Fly, if memory serves. Mm -hmm. And why they did that was because the SharePoint migration tool did not support 2010. But it now does. Four files, if I believe, if if I understand that correctly. Um, it'll move your files from 2010. Custom lists and that sort of stuff, it's not going to do. Really? I thought it was everything. I don't believe I'm probably, so. I'm probably, I'm probably wrong. You're the educated one, yeah. I just waffle incoherently. I mean, I haven't done it myself, but I remember hearing that. If only there was some some way where we could have the sum total of human knowledge at our fingertips. The sum total of human knowledge. <laughs> I'm going to coin that phrase. The sum total. It's called the internet. But yes, so according to Mr. Modlin, it only supports certain features and it makes complete sense. Have you ever migrated a calendar from 2010 to 2030? I have not. Well, I can tell you there's some tweaking you need to do after the fact because of the typical the content type in order in order for you to get it to display the events on the calendar. It doesn't okay. there's a different 
the default content type for calendar in 2013 and 2016 and 2019 is different to the calendar in 2010. So even though it pulls the data through and you can see how many items you have there, it won't display it until you patch it. And that's a GFAB top tip right there. Thank you, GFAB. Yeah, the ghetto fabulous Al Shizzle. Um, that's my, my uh, pimp handle, apparently. I'm sure everybody calls you that. The GFAB. Uh, there's one friend of mine that refers to me as the GFAB. I'm just one, GFAB. He says, GFAB, can I pick your brain? And I'm for sure, mate. For sure. For shizzle, my nizzle, dizzle. Anyhow, moving on. There's some new and updated uh, web parts. Would you like to go through those? Yes, I think we might have chatted about these previously, but a bunch of the web parts in SharePoint Online have updated. Um, They've got a button and a call to action. So it's very much like the Hero web part, except you can put a call to action and have a button that actually does something, which is quite cool. They've got a world clock and weather. I totally remember talking about this because we got onto a, a tangent of all the companies that provide these sorts of web parts that you would buy a pack from and they'd have like the weather app because everybody wants a weather app on their intranet for some reason that I don't understand. There are people, there are people in this world still running a bunch of Amrain engineering web parts and I think he had or they had a weather web part yeah. at one stage. They had a birthdays web part as well. A lot of those um, weather web parts are really nice. They're pretty and whatever. I don't know why you put them on. Lots of people want them. So that's great. There is now a default one you can do it. There's a divider that you can put between sections and web parts. The big one is the highlighted content web part. You can now do custom queries in. So Camel or KQL. You can use Boolean logic to do filters and whatever. So you get much more of what we used to do in content query web parts. You can now do in a SharePoint online uh, modern page, which is massive. Absolutely. Huge. Look, I, w- I wonder, how, so Camel uh, people would understand that, but I wonder how many people actually get what KQL is and the lesser known FQL. Very few. It is just another TLA to me, but if I ever needed to write in it, I'm sure there's documentation somewhere. Another TLA? Three-letter acronym. <laughs> IT is filled with TLAs. <laughs> That's magic. <laughs> the irony. <laughs> yeah, it works quite well. It's kind of the reverse of irony. You'd expect a TLA to be a TLA. Another thing, it's not particularly new to, to SharePoint Online, but you haven't seen it. You can now set different columns in your page. Right? It's a lot easier to do that so you can have a bar running all the way down the side and have web parts in there rather than just in the rows. You could set up columns. You can now set up a, a page-wide column and stuff like that. So that's really handy. Basically, there's a lot more functionality for building sites, pages. WordPress sites, building WordPress sites with WP PageBaker or Elementor. Those and it, sort of it's almost easier than like the WordPress and whatever. You know, you can just no, click, it and, is. You can just click it is. and drag stuff onto the page now, hey? If you've got it a picture, is, you is, can yeah. drag it in and it'll just upload it for you and it works. You can just paste in links from YouTube or stream and it'll just do it for you. You can drag in documents, whatever document you want. It'll upload it for you and put the little document previewer thing in it for you. 
You just click and drag and type and do whatever you want and drag it around and it just works. And they look really awesome. There is no reason to use classic sites anymore. Toss them. Oh, wow. Big, Get them big, out. big, big statement. Eh? Big statement. With the highlighted content, absolutely. I, I can't think of a reason you'd still want to keep a classic site around. All right. I'd guarantee you there's maybe one listener that would debate that with you, though. I would dig to have that conversation with them because... I love those niche little use cases. And your answer can't be, oh, but I'm used to the classic sites, because that's a crappy argument. All right, moving along. Um, I, this one's close to my heart, right? Now, in the old days, in the old days, when Microsoft first started to talk about rights management and rights management services and information rights management inside of SharePoint, where you could lock down a Word document or an Excel document or a PowerPoint document, right? Microsoft Stack product, right? Or their documents, not Vizio or anything else. I don't think it was extended to Vizio. But back in the day, uh, Microsoft actually launched the sample code for what was called Office Protectors. And also at the same time, Microsoft talked about iFilters. I don't know if you remember iFilters. Yeah, I do. I absolutely yeah. do. So, so how you could uh, index specific file types, not just PDFs and Office documents. Yeah, you could you could basically teach SharePoint this is how to deal with a certain type of file, and then you you'd get the same sort of functionality as you did in in a Word document. Well, some of that is true, and some of that is not. But yes, you could you could teach SharePoint to do stuff. Um, what I was referring to is in the old days you could start indexing AutoCAD files. Yeah. So that was magic. It was always magic for me. We actually had a customer that worked with AutoCAD, and they used a product called Imagination from Spicer um, when they started scanning bigger documents and indexing stuff. And back then, you could purchase a, uh, a DWG iFilter so that you could index the text inside of the AutoCAD layers. So you could search within the AutoCAD drawing. And that was revolutionary back then. What Microsoft has done now is being able to preview CAD files currently is made available now. It's generally available. So that's quite cool. That is super that is super handy. CAD files are often giant and unwieldy to, to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. So like being able to identify whether it's the right one without having to open it is incredibly useful. Yeah. And also full fidelity view between OneDrive, SharePoint, and Teams, which I think is magic. So it doesn't matter in what application you are consuming this image. Let's call it an image for now. You are now able to view it if you are sitting inside of a team and you're clicking on the DWG file, or you're sitting inside of SharePoint, or you're sitting inside of OneDrive, you can now preview the CAD file. Sweet. Next up, there's some updates to the file cards. This is in SharePoint Online when... And I suppose coming to Teams, because that same experience is supposed to be coming through to Teams at some point. When you select a, a file, you can get some additional information about it. That's the file card. Um, and they're adding activity highlights to that. So you'll be able to see the, the recent activity on that file. Saved by so-and-so, went up a version, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's very cool. I, I, quite, I quite like that, surfacing the information to users where it makes the most sense. I do want that same library experience to just come to teams already enough of the cut shaved down teams version of it well yes next uh, site owner stuff right site owner stuff and i really like this because people in the old days you'd have to go and navigate to the back end site setting stuff to go look at what the sharing options and all of those things what you can do now is you can actually go straight from the 
permissions panel and you can actually modify the sharing permissions right there and you can also do stuff like allow access requests so um, who will receive access requests we who won't so this is what i really like about this is that you can now sort of segment your permission management more granularly than you did before and that's pretty cool and you can actually give that sort of functionality to site owners it's not only site collection administrators site owners can now manage their own sharing so give more back to business let business work with these things um, it's super super powerful yeah and that that is very much the messaging for how you manage these things in the modern world right you're not as the admin coming up with the entire i mean we used to do giant permissions matrixes right and for every content type you had you'd like who's got what and blah 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 that's almost a thing of the past now at least for the unstructured data, right? And you've you've got to give the power back to the to the site owners, and then through policy, you dictate what people can do with sensitive information and stuff like that. And did did you just did you just demonetize our episode by swearing? Did I really? You know, we if make I money. I, out I buy I buy food for my kids, right? With but the money with we the make off of run. yeah. Exactly. All, all, and you all, just all the negative money we make in the, yeah. in, in the podcast. Yeah. Look, it, 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 it offsets the director's loan of the show, right? The co-host loan of the show. That's what it does. It pays for SoundCloud. <laughs> so, anyhow, moving on. What do we have next? Something, something sharing reports. Oh, wow. Share you reports didn't. now. This one I don't know. So, when we start looking at... An, Talks to the one just above. So site owners can now manage sharing and access requests. Sure. What they can also see now is who's got access to what from a report perspective. So you can actually go and look who's got external access, external users. You can run the report to see who's got access to your site. And site owners can do that. And they can get it in a CSV format so that they can actually look at it that way. Okay, so sharing reports is not not I have reports. I'm going to share them to you. It's a report of sharing what's been shared and and how and that's very useful. And then linked to that, you can now also do per site anyone link uh, expiration policies. So if your users are sharing out a link to say anybody with this link can view this file, see the site, edit this document, whatever the case is, you can set expiries on those links which is absolutely something you should do. Well, it's good that administrators can now do it at a site-by-site, not just a group tenant policy. This link will expire in 30 days. You can now do it on a site-by-site basis, which is quite cool. You can actually override the tenant policy for that and uh, be either less or more restrictive when it comes to that. Is that it for the news? That is it for the news. A new segment, new segment, right? So, you know... New news. No, it's not new news. It's things to watch. That's the new segment that I've just added because you have your... You've, I see you've given it a different name now as well. At least I only have one segment. I've got one segment. It morphs a little bit, but it's one segment. You just pop up a segment and it disappears and then whatever. So, so things to what, watch. What's, what's coming segment? in the future? Yeah, yeah. My new segment is about things to watch. So we like not predict the future, but we talk about things that are going to happen in the future. Cool. What What does your crystal ball have for us? So at this year's uh, SharePoint conference, there was SharePoint TV, right? And uh, things to watch out for. So it's like, you know, on Facebook, you can 
worry about people that are going to events near you and all of that. This is what we do, but for SharePoint. So things to watch. SharePoint TV is back. It is sponsored by Valo. Um, and this episode is not sponsored by Valo, but there will be SharePoint TV broadcast live via Twitch on the 23rd of October at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So you can go jump onto that and you can watch a few things. Very exciting. I think uh, I think it's the host will be Vlad Katrinisko and I think Mark Cashman's on the show, actually. There's a few others that's also on the show. So that's very exciting. And then the other thing to... Uh, look forward to or things to watch is ignite this year we're close we're less than a month away we're 25 days 26 days or 24 days away from the largest technology event in the world yeah that's gonna be hectic yeah it's gonna be great fourth to eighth of november in orlando florida Thank our lucky stars that Microsoft has had the ingenuity to move it from September to November because at the rate that you perspire in the heat in Orlando in September, I'm glad that they've actually moved it to November. It'll be a little bit cooler. And those are my things to watch. Nice. One thing about Ignite, I hear, I, I see on the interwebs, Microsoft exams at Ignite are free. There's like a set number or whatever, but you can just book them and they're free. Yes. That's very cool. Yeah. Also, every session will be live streamed, including the keynotes, the tech notes, every other possible notes. I will be live streamed on the day, on the days that the events happen. You can head over to, I think, ignite.microsoft.com on the day and you'll be able to watch quite a few things. Awesome. Yeah. Now for your second segment. <laughs> I only get one, but you can have two. It's fine. Yeah, but I didn't change mine. Every third time. So, new features I didn't know about of the week. I actually have two, and I'll keep the one that's in the show notes for next fortnight's episode. But I'd, I want to talk about Avpoint's Office 365 backup tool. And this episode is also not sponsored by Avpoint. Not that we wouldn't accept it, you know, just saying that, putting that out we're there. Pu we're putting it out there, putting it out there, let the universe feel it, touch it, smell it, and maybe they will sponsor an episode. We're, we're, we're totally so, not above selling out. Yeah, look, we're also going to open up a merch store um, and we need sponsorship for that. So anyway, I, I had a you look at... Audacity and on the always, line. And yeah, we want to use the Adobe Audition and all of those things. That stuff costs money. Uh, but yes, this is also not sponsored by Audacity, even though we use Audacity for recording. So Avpoint's Cloud Backup Tooling. Wow. Can I just say, wow. Dirt cheap. I'm not going to go into too many of the features, but it backs up Office 365. You've got a one, two, three, and an infinity plan. So there goes DLP. Who needs DLP? Who needs archiving? Who needs retention? Who needs disposition? We don't need a file plan. We don't need records management because it's kept forever and everything is kept forever. Mail, SharePoint, OneDrive, Teams, everything's kept forever. That's really hot, actually. But, 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 but wait, if you call now, <laughs> there's more, right? What the hottest, yeah, the hottest, hottest, hottest thing is, in the old days, if I wanted to retrieve something, an email or the file that I deleted or an email that's now in my archive mailbox or it's not, I can't find it, I'd have to go log a call. With IT, the help desk then would send a little man in a big car to drive to where they store their backup tapes. And it's usually yeah. a set of four. And they'd do a full recovery and then do an incremental recovery to bring that 
specific file back and we would usually restore it in a dev environment and it takes three and a half weeks to get the content back. With AvPoints Cloud Backup, they've got a little bot that sits in Teams called Ava and you can ask Ava to do your restore for you. Okay. And she brings the thing back. That just, it just blows my hair back, man. It's, it's, it's mind blasting. Very cool. Very, very No, it's very magic. Cool. So it's the opportunity cost associated with performing a task in an organization. And if I can automate the restoration of files in any workload inside of Office 365 through the use of a Teams bot, that's magic. I'm sorry. You can't put a price on that. But you can because it's dirt cheap from AppPoint. And I will be on that on that bandwagon from now till infinity because that that is that is technical that is technology progress right there, mate. Right there. A little bot to go find a file that you have inadvertently deleted or you can't find it through the normal mechanisms. It's there. Seven years ago, I sent an email to Rod saying, I hate him because, because I hate him. I cannot find that email. And it also plugs into eDiscovery, which is, was my other new features I didn't know about of the week. So Joanne Klein is the lady, the first lady of eDiscovery. And she's got a great infographic. She's actually got two infographics out about Office 365 architecture for e-discoveries for search by Office 365 application and search by Office 365 business artifact. So if you head over to either regarding365.com, she's posted it there. She's one of our, our authors. Or you can actually go over to joannekline.com, joanncline.com, and you'll be able to pick it up from there. Very, very cool. What is it called? What is what is it called this week? <laughs> this week we've got a power app, power tip. Ooh, a double P. Yeah, right. So I was shown at Community Night actually last night. Last night? Yeah, last night. Yes, it was last night. Saw a very cool thing that I had I didn't know was a thing, and I'm gonna now go change all my power apps to take advantage of this. Okay, so you can make variables in apps, right? And best practice is you, you want to use those variables. One of the things you use it for is styling, right? You want to set all your banner colors, all your button colors, border widths, all that sort of stuff. You want to set one in a variable when you load the form, when you load the app, so that if you ever need to change it down the line, you don't need to go to each control and change it. You can just change the variable. Make sense? Um, I wasn't listening, but carry on. Okay. So, the issue you have with that is, at the beginning of your app, you have like this giant list of variables, because you've got a control for basically everything, and it gets really messy, and then you've got to remember which variables for what, and, and all of this. I have discovered, or I've been shown, that you can nest variable. So, the variable you make in Power Apps can actually be an object, and you can use JSON formatting, right, to nest the object. So, you can have one variable that has an attribute of button and that button attribute then has further attributes of pressed color normal color border width whatever you want in it and then you have another attribute on that same variable of uh, label color or label and then that's got color and width and font and whatever and then everywhere else in your app instead of having to think like oh which particular variable it is you can call that one single variable you've got, your styling variable, styling.button.color, and that will give you the color you want. Um, so you can build up your own object with all of that. 
I think that's really awesome. Particularly useful the way I work, right? When we're consultants, we go to many different places. Be nice to be able to very quickly just change and have the color schemes move across. You can also put pictures into these variables, right? Into these objects. So um, you can have their logo there and all of that. Or if you're in a company and you're building a bunch of apps, you can then have that one set that you can copy paste between whatever apps you want and then keep your look and feel consistent across everything. You could also have it load that out of a SharePoint list or a SQL table or whatever if you want as well. And then just have one central location where you keep all that stuff. But yeah, look at those nested ifs. I had not thought about it, but you can build up your own objects in Power Apps. And that's super cool. So that's my Power App power tip. I think it's great that you can actually now start doing those things in Power Apps. I do. I think there's huge value, especially when you're calling a button and you want a button color and a button function, right? And you want to use that across 37 Power Apps because the submit button needs to be the same. Yeah. That's what you're saying? Yeah. Pretty no, that's much. magic. Pretty much. That's magic. That 47 minutes you just used to talk about your Power App power tip. If I was editing, I would edit 37 of that 47 minutes completely out. You know what? I'm going to take, I'm going to go back over our old episodes. I'm going to take all the times you were super excited. Like, oh yeah, that's so cool. Oh wow, it blows my mind. Mind blasting. I'm going to cut all of those out. <laughs> I'm going to start editing them in to my Power Apps and Flow Talk. I think that's Just a good idea. Pull it through some sort of voice thing and no, then you can take the, no, no, the no. actual enunciations of specific things. And then you can put together like a video of Trump saying something. No, I'll just do it. I'll just deep fake your voice. It's fine. Perfect. Are we done, Mr. Modler? That is the size of it from me, Al. So thank all of you very much for joining us uh, on this fortnight. On that note, we are far more an Apex Legends podcast than a Fortnite podcast, even if we come out fortnightly. If you want to find us online, you can find our website, twoguysandsharepoint.co.za. We're on Twitter, at twoguyssharepoint. I'm on Twitter, at oddmodlin, and Al is... At Alistair Pugin. And we will see you... Did, did, did you just did you just no-scope me right now in Apex Legends? Because that's what I feel like. Yeah, dude. One time. Mess with the best, you die like the rest. <laughs> Lay it down, I will have to destroy you like I destroy everyone. Ten internet points to the first listener who gets where that reference comes from. They're not that old, Watlin. We all. I'm old. You're not old. You're just well read. <laughs> Anyhow, thank you very much. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. I'm just going to cut out all your vaping noises. So go ahead. <laughs>